Good. We are in chapter, episode four of chapter 11, Unlocking the Impossible. Unlocking the Impossible. Let's stand to our feet as we read God's word this morning. Stand to our feet as we read God's word. We're in Mark 11, verse 20 through 25. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him, not by him. Let's caveat there. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, and if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us today to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Excuse me, you may be seated. Now we've talked about this series because it started in the beginning of chapter 11. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. If y'all remember that, the triumphal entry. <coughs> Excuse me. Got some resistance this morning. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, and he's declaring a kingdom has come. That Jesus isn't just a good teacher. He isn't just a philosopher. He isn't just a miracle worker. He is God in the flesh. And so... The divine king is coming not on a war horse, but humbly on a donkey. A new kingdom is breaking in, the kingdom of heaven. That's why we hear when we read, the, when we say the Lord's Prayer, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because Jesus broke in, the kingdom of heaven broke into the earth in the person of Jesus. Then we saw Jesus walk towards Jerusalem the next day. And he curses a fig tree. He says, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. It's a strange thing for Jesus to say. His disciples took note. Then he walks in and cleanses the temple. He is living out a couple parables, right? He would teach parables and then he would live them out. And so he has lived out three parables in this chapter. One, him riding into Jerusalem. That was a parable. I am the divine king. I am the son of God. Come to deliberate you, to liberate you and set you free. Two, I'm bringing judgment on the house of Israel because they missed their divine moment. Let no one eat fruit of you again. And so this tree representing Israel would be... Uh, withered, and then I'm going to cleanse the temple because it was never about Jerusalem alone. It was always about the nations of the earth. One people, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation together under one banner, Jesus is Lord. 
And so the next day, we looked last week, Jesus cleansed this large temple. He brought cleansing not just to us individually, but us corporately. And then he comes to this tree the next morning. Now, my main point this morning is this. Faith in God unlocks supernatural power, springs from the heart, and comes out of the mouth. Faith in God unlocks supernatural power, springs from the heart, and comes out of the mouth. Now, here's Peter. He's walking. This is what he sees. He sees this tree. He says, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. What is Peter saying? How did you do that? Right? That's, it was an implied question because Jesus says he answered them. And it wasn't just his question. All the disciples stood around this withered tree and be like, yesterday you spoke to this tree and today it's dead. Okay? And they, they want to know what happened. How did you do that? And Jesus, <coughs> in ways that only Jesus can, he, he says, have faith in God. All right, thank you, Jesus. Talk about this tree. Right? I want to know how you took this live tree and it's dead. He says, look, truly I say to you, right? And so there's three principles of faith that come out of this for us. Number one, faith unlocks the impossible. Faith unlocks the impossible. Do we have anybody in here that likes to lock themselves out of things? My hand's up. Me too. Okay. We, we have these moments where we, we lock ourselves out of our homes. I don't know how many times I've locked myself out of my home. And I know I'm supposed to like hide a key or give one to a neighbor or put it on the collar of my dog or something. But I would forget. And so I, I sit outside looking in. I can see the keys. <laughs> but I can't get in there. Y'all ever been there? Well, I finally hit a key, praise God. I'm not telling you where it is. And I've used it many times. But that's representative, I feel like, of many of us who find themselves locked out of things that we know God has given us. How many times have we come to the house, looked in, seen the peace that Jesus offers? We read stories about Jesus sleeping in a storm on a boat. Man, I'm like, man, I really like that peace. It's unlocked to me. It's locked to me. I can't get in. Sometimes it's healing where you're like, man, God, oh, I'm believing you for healing. Some of us are locked out of provision. God, I'm just, every week, I'm believing God just to pay the bills, just so I can buy something other than packaged food. Praise God. Any of us been there? Especially now. Right? And so we're locked out of the promises of God, out of, of this, this, this life that we know that God's given us, we seem distant from it. Now, I know when we deal with this passage and we hear this scripture that many of us who have been grown up in church have seen maybe the, the misuse and abuse of these principles, right? Where we might say, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to believe God for a private jet. Praise God, right? I don't even have a new car, but I'm going to get a private jet. Praise the Lord. No, I understand there's misuse and abuse of this passage. And and. It breaks my heart that we have used God's word for our own purposes. Amen? We've all seen that. 
But I just want to take a step back and say, Jesus still told these disciples to speak to mountains. And as much as I can look at the misuse and abuse of this passage, I have to realize and I have to wrestle that Jesus is calling us to believe God for impossible things. This phrase, take this mountain and go into the sea, literally was a literary device, meaning impossible things. So Jesus is communicating something here. If you have faith, you can unlock the impossible. Now, I get it. I'm just as mad about misuse and abuse as you are. But I saw the misuse and abuse of spiritual gifts. But praise God, those gifts are still available for proper use. I don't know where I'd be without the spiritual gifts. I don't write. Y'all know Paul went into the church of Corinth that had the worst operation of spiritual gifts. Y'all know that? They were like, Speaking in tongues over people. Somebody would prophesy. The other one prophesy a little bit louder. Like a teacher in middle school, right? You got to talk louder to get your word in. And this is, this is spiritual gifts. This is the, the gifts at work. It's craziness. People were getting drunk at communion. They, like, oh yeah, passing the cup, you know. I was at a, a wedding one time and the, the priest was like, you know, get, you know it was one of those, one of those deals. And so they were giving communion to everybody at the wedding. And one of the ladies grabbed the cup and was trying to get a little bit more, you know, trying to get some of that, that holy wine. So <clears throat> I don't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, the church in Corinth. So people were getting drunk at communion. They were passing around the bread, eating it all on one side. Everybody over here didn't get any. The students, right, were eating the bread. Nobody else could get any. No, the students wouldn't do that. It was the, probably the families and the kids, amen? And so they were, it was chaos. You know what Jesus said? You know what Paul, the Apostle Paul said to this church? If it was me, it'd be like, shut all these spiritual gifts down. Y'all don't deserve to operate in spiritual gifts. Nobody do anything. Just sit there and listen to the word. This is Paul, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Wow. So the challenge to misuse and abuse isn't non-use. It's proper use. Amen? And so here we have the Word of God and Jesus teaching us on faith. Faith unlocks the impossible. Y'all remember God went to Abraham and Sarah said, y'all are going to have a baby? And Sarah goes, right? She laughed. So why is your wife laughing? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? What about the lady with the issue of blood? Who said, if I, who said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed? And she reached out and she touched it and her blood dried up. And what did Jesus say to her? Your faith has healed you. Your faith. What about the centurion with the paralyzed servant? came to Jesus. I'm a man under authority with people under me. I say go and they go and I say sit and they sit. You say the word and my servant will be healed. And what does Jesus say? I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. It will be done according to your word. Faith. Healing the impossible. What about the blind beggar? Son of David. Have mercy on me. Bring that blind man here. Your faith has healed you. 
What about the foreign leper? There was 10 lepers and they came to Jesus and Jesus said, y'all go show yourself to the priest and you'll be healed. And as they went, they were healed. And one turned around and came back. He goes, You're I thought there were 10 of you. This foreign man was the only one who came back to ask for thanksgiving. Your faith has healed you. What about the Canaanite woman? I think Devon preached on this a, a few months ago. She was from Tyre and Sidon. She comes to Jesus and says, my child is, is demon-possessed at home. Would you heal him? He said, I can't give uh, the, the servants the food when the children haven't eaten. And she said, yes, but even the dogs eat the food off the table. He said, there it is. Go. She's healed. Your faith healed her. Here's the, here's the reality. Why am I bringing this up? Because faith unlocks the supernatural. Jesus, if it was one verse, guys, one kind of obscure verse, I might say, okay, maybe, maybe we're not reading this right. But time and time and time again, the faith of humans meets, moves the heart of God. And he moves and he does wonders. And of all the ways, he, Jesus could have said that so it couldn't get misconstrued. He said it, your faith has healed you. Your faith has got my attention. Faith unlocks the impossible. So that brings me to my second point. Our hearts provide the soil for faith and doubt. Our hearts provide the soil for our faith and doubt. Listen to this. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Do we have that up there? Romans 10, 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What is salvation? Salvation means that we are apart from God, under the wrath of God, in a direction away from God, and we see the gospel, and we say, Jesus is Lord, and God radically changes us from the inside out. The Bible calls it being born again. That's a miracle. Amen? That's a miracle. And how does that miracle happen? By faith. For with the heart, one believes. You believe with your heart, not your head. Now, is your head apart? Of course. But not exclusively. The heart you believe. So think about this. I used to work out in high school. I went to this small school. We didn't have a gym. I had to go to the Y. Anybody grow up going to the Y? Went to the Y. Went to the YMCA at like 5.30 in the morning. Me and my friend, we were going to get buff. And we always did curls because curls are for the girls. And so you gotta, you gotta, you know, you need some help. So we do curl. We look at it, curls for the girls, and the, these giant bodybuilders would be in there, you know, and they'd laugh at us. They, he'd call us the bicep brothers. Bicep brothers. Like, Man, we got the curls are for the girls because if you do this, this eventually, depending on what kind of DNA you have and what kind of what you're working with, should get bigger. Amen. Well, this. This makes this get bigger. But you have a muscle of faith. Amen? And your heart is that muscle. 
It's probably a little bit more complicated than that, but we're just going to simplify it here for a moment. But your heart believes. So if we want to increase our faith, <clears throat> Romans 4, 20 and 21, this is possible. Look at this. Speaking of Abraham, which I mentioned earlier, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Is that up there? Just over here. Okay. I was wondering, man, why isn't it over there? It's over here. All right. He grew strong in faith. So you can have faith and it can grow. In fact, we, we read scripture, Jesus metaphorically talks about faith as a seed. Do y'all remember that? If you have the mustard seed faith, amen? Why a seed? Because seeds grow. Your faith can grow. You might have a little arm like I did in high school, right? And still kind of do. But you can build that muscle and it can grow. No matter where you are in here this morning, your faith can grow. You might have faith just to get here. Praise God. But you know what's awesome? Your faith doesn't have to stay that way. You can develop your faith. It's like a muscle, your heart. So how do you do that? You've got to guard your heart. You've got to be careful what you plant in your heart. You know what the opposite <clears throat> of faith is? Fear and doubt. Fear and doubt. If you plant fear in your heart every day for hours on end, what do you think is going to grow out of that heart? Not a heart of faith. So what you plant in your heart grows. So we have to be careful. What do we allow into our heart? In fact, <clears throat> Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Paul's talking about our salvation. He said, man, when someone preaches you the gospel, amen, you heard it and the spirit breathed on you and you said, that's true, I believe. Amen? But you had to hear it. You did not believe in the gospel you didn't hear. Do you understand? You've got to hear the gospel to believe it. Faith comes from hearing the word. And then if we want to grow our faith, we have to hear the word preached to us. Not just about salvation, but especially salvation, but about everything else that we have in Christ. And when we hear it, we believe and think, I believe that. Okay. That's all right. What are you planting in your hearts this morning? Do you hear the word preached to you? We come in here once a month, once a week. Some of you once a month, right? Is that enough to plant the word in your heart to believe? Because here comes a moment when you come in life, then you're going to look through and you're going to want something you're locked out of. And will you have the faith to unlock the door? I'm going to tell you right now, it's been said time and time again, but if the vision for your life doesn't require a miracle, doesn't require God, it's probably not from him. 
And so that means that what God is asking us to do daily and with the direction of our life is going to require faith. And we're going to need the word planted in our heart to give us faith to believe. Sorry, we'll get there. All right. That brings us to number three. Our voice unleashes our faith. I'm going to say this again. Our voice unleashes our faith. It's not the only thing that unleashes our faith. Sometimes an action can unleash the faith. But in this passage, Jesus said to us, if you say to the mountain. How did Jesus curse the fig tree? He spoke to the tree. Y'all get that, right? Jesus walked up to this tree. Man, you look good, but you're fruitless. No one will eat fruit from you again. I'm sure the disciples were like, all right, Jesus, let's get to the church. Let's, let's move on to the temple. We got a temple to clear. We're talking to trees, guys. If you say to this mountain, whatever you ask in prayer. Now, this was not an anomaly. Jesus spoke to storms. Do y'all remember that? Jesus spoke to eyes, be opened. Jesus spoke to ears. Jesus spoke to a man's tongue. He spoke to things and commanded them to be open, and they listened. So this isn't just, okay, Jesus. This is common practice. Now, is this in the Old Testament? Yes, Look in 2 Kings 2.21. Elisha comes to the city. It said the city was well positioned. It was beautiful. It was everything to, to grow and prosper except the water was bitter. We got it over here? 2 Kings? Do we not? We don't have it. Okay, just listen. Then he went to the spring of water, threw salt in it, and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water, and now, from now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been healed to this day according to the word of Elisha. He spoke, and it was accomplished. As I already said, Jesus spoke to storms, tongues, eyes, ears, fig trees. And the city of Jerusalem, if you remember. There was a, a, a man in 200 AD named Gregory. He later became known, known as Gregory Thaumaturgus, which means wonder worker. And the city that Gregory was ministering to, the river Lycus, would flood the farmland on a periodic basis and it would destroy their crops. And so they came to the man of God and said, Will you do something? We can't live here this way. And history says that Gregory Thaumaturgus took a staff, his staff, he drove it into the ground and said out of his mouth, this river will not pass this staff ever again. And to the writers of history, they said it never did. In fact, that staff began to grow roots into a tree so that they would remember the word of faith spoken for that region. 
A man spoke and it happened. Now, many of you know I was a campus minister for about 16 years. We lived on partnership. People, we would sit down. This is kind of, I feel called to the ministry, praise God, right? And then you go home, back to your room at this conference, and you're like, I was emotional. I'm not really called to the ministry. <laughs> and then I went to this church service in a different city within 24 hours, and this vagabond prophet, uh, no, Jim LaFoon, sees me in the back of the room, had long hair, none to hear, and he goes, you, God's calling you into campus ministry. I'm like, No. You know, like I, I said it earlier, Lord, but I was, I was emotional. And now within two weeks, God affirmed it by the Lord. So they make you go to this meeting. And when you go to this meeting, you're like, hey, man, you're called to the ministry. This is what you do. You go sit down with people, share with them your vision, and then people give you money. What? What do they get in return? A newsletter. I don't think I can live this way, praise the Lord, you know. But. I was convinced by the, how God spoke to me, what I felt in that moment. I knew Jesus had called me into full-time ministry. And so I knew I had little faith and I needed faith to believe God for people to partner with me so I could do what I did. 16 years later, God provided every one of my needs. Amen. But in the process of learning, how to, I got a hold of this principle. I, gotta, I need faith to believe. And faith has to be spoken. The word unleashes faith. So one morning, I was raised in partnership. I was living at my parents' house, recently graduated. I was single at the time. And my parents had chickens and loved chickens. And so great thing about chickens is at near the end of uh, evening, you can open the door to the chicken coop and they can roam. But as the night falls, they put themselves to bed and you just have to shut the door. So they had done that and we'd done that. But this particular morning, no one shut the door. And so the bad thing is, if you don't shut the door, when the light comes up, the sun comes up, they come out. And so I was in a hurry. I had to run to a partnership meeting. I was learning this principle about faith. And these chickens are all over the yard. Now, if you've ever corralled chickens, and I didn't grow up on a farm, y'all, so I don't have this extensive knowledge. I know that surprises some of you. But <clears throat> when you try to corral chickens by yourself, when you walk, to a flock of chickens, they go like this, right? They don't go together. And so I'm trying to like, you know, move real fast, you know. Yeah. But every time I walk to these chickens, they go like this. And they end up behind the coop. And if these, it's like a chicken tractor coop, it's a square with a door on one side in the middle. And all of the chickens are behind the door. So they're not close. They're on the other side. And every time I walk to them, they go like this. And all of a sudden, I just had this thought. God, you've been teaching me about faith. I'm going to speak to these chickens, by God. <laughs> Lord, you've told me to raise partnership. You've, told, you've called me to be a campus missionary. I can't go tell people about what I'm doing if these chickens are running around the yard. And so I just literally, I stood right there. I made sure nobody was watching. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, every chicken in this yard, get in this coop. And I swear to you before God Almighty, with my hand on the Bible, eight of those chickens walked to that coop, four on each side, <laughs> right back in and into the end, sat there. And I went, I was wishing somebody had been there at that point. I'm like, 
Not only did God show up for me that day, praise the Lord, but it was a seed of faith that I needed to believe God for something else, to sit down with a potential partner and say, Jesus is calling me to do this. Will you pray about partnering with me? And saw Jesus give. Now, a few years later, Isaac had been born. Michelle was pregnant by herself at her mom's house. I get a phone call at one in the morning from Michelle. She goes, I'm bleeding everywhere. We've lost the baby. We're going to the hospital. And I'm driving in this car in the middle of the night from Greenville to Moorhead City. That's where she was. Praying in the spirit. And I walk into this hospital, this ER. She's lo losing a lot of blood. And she's fading. And you know what came out of my heart? A word of faith. I said, Michelle, you're going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. She goes, Blake, I'm, I'm fading. Everything's going dark. I don't know if she was going to die. But I do know she was fading. And I said, you repeat after me. I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And she began to repeat and come out of that fade. And she was conscious. She went in, had the surgery. She came out, praise God, healed. But that ridiculous miracle with chickens that nobody saw but me was a seed. So that when I needed a miracle, praise God, the word of faith came out of my mouth. Faith unlocks the supernatural. It comes from the heart and it comes out of our mouth. Now, well, it doesn't always work that way. You're right, it doesn't. There are principles in this Bible. I, I think of one right now. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. That's a principle. But you know what? I haven't reaped destruction. And I've sown to my flesh quite a bit. Now why? Because this is complicated. Jesus died for my destruction. Sometimes God gives grace in a moment for you not to bear what you planted. It's a complicated thing, but I'll tell you this. The principle is true. You sow to the flesh, you will reap destruction. And you sow to the Spirit, and you'll reap eternal life. But it's complicated, and it doesn't always... It's not a balance sheet. It's not a formula. But it is a principle. God is sovereign, and sometimes he doesn't heal. Peter, Paul found that out. Three times I asked you, God, to remove, and you didn't. Sometimes he doesn't. He left his friend sick at Troas. I remember that. Sometimes God answers prayer. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes there's a word of faith, and God moves mountains, and sometimes he's silent. But the principle's the same. Because there is a sovereignty of God that we don't understand. We don't know what he's going to do. There are, there are things that we won't understand until we see him. Amen? But let's not throw away the principles of God for things that are exceptions.
Now, some of us in front of podcast mics and green screens have lots of critical things to say about faith. But I'm reminded of Paul. So you can find this verse. 1 Corinthians 4, 19 and 20. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist of talk, but in power. So we can be very critical about lots of things that God is doing. But my question is, where's your power? Now, if you are critical and you got power, I want to hear what you got to say. But if all we do is sit back and critique and say, you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this. Okay, where's your power? Are the dead raising? Are the blind seeing? Are those who are walking away from God coming back because of your criticism or because of your faith? Anybody can be a critic. In fact, Psalms 1 says, stay away from the mockers and the critics. Blessed are you if you avoid them. And we make them our prophets. Hindrances to faith. Finally, three hindrances to faith. Number one is doubt. Now, you might say, well, isn't that the opposite of faith? Well, maybe. But here's what I know. Doubt increases when we don't know God in his character. Doubt increases when we don't know God in his character. So the converse is true. If we know God and his character, then doubt decreases. You get that? When you spend time with God and you know him, then when here comes a situation, now there are clear things in the promises of God that are given to us because we're in Christ. That might say, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Because you're in Christ. But there are other things that God gives you because it's for you in this moment, in this season, by the Spirit. Now that's gray. I get it. I don't like gray. I like black and white. But I read this Bible and it's full of some gray stuff. Now there's very clear things. And where God's clear... Let's be clear. Every prophetic word that goes against the character and the word of God is not from God and should be discarded. Amen? So God's word is sola scriptura. It is above all. Every word, every prophetic, every feeling, every unction come under the lordship of Jesus and his word. But there are certain things that God speaks by the Spirit for us in this moment that we need to be sensitive to. Should we buy this house? Should we go into debt? Should my kids go to this school? We better hear, have an ear to heaven about what to do in these moments. And I'm going to tell you, the Word doesn't always speak to those things. We, that's why we're led by the Spirit. You are led by the Spirit if you're sons of God. Amen? So, doubt increases when we don't know God and His character. And doubt increases when we don't know what God wants, the object of our requests. And so getting in the scripture, bathing our minds with a biblical worldview helps us then ask, not for my private jet, but for the glory of God to be increased all over the earth. Amen? So the, the, the character of God and the word of God should direct our faith and therefore diminish our doubts. Number two, hindrances to our faith is silence. You might have faith in your heart, but if it doesn't come out of your mouth, it's not accomplishing the purpose. Listen to this. This is, this is 
Application, Blake, what do you, how do I apply this? I would, I would encourage you, practice with the promises of God. Practice. So take what you know to be true from the word of God and speak it over your mind, which you don't believe. There are promises about you that you don't believe. Oh, your body hasn't lined up its feelings with truth. For example, height nor depth, angels nor demons, past nor the present, nothing in all creation can separate me from the love of God. That is true by the word of God. But you don't believe it. Right? There are times, present, that I don't believe it. And so what do I do? I speak it over myself because it's true. Hide nor death, angels nor demons, present nor the future. Nothing in all creation separates me from the love of God. God, you love me today, whether I feel like it or not. That's the word of faith. But it's a promise that God's already given me because we have parts of our lives that aren't aligned with God and his truth. Or it might sound like this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Though I feel condemned, I am not condemned in Jesus. That's the word of faith. Applying what God said is already true about who I am. And I'm aligning my, my body, my life with the word and I'm steering that ship to align with God's truth. I don't let the feelings and the winds of the demonic and the emotions of the day dictate my life. I allow the word of God to propel me forward. Amen? And that takes practice. And so we're going to do it about something that I'm sure there's no doubt in my mind that God loves me. Look at that. He's proven it. And so let's start with what we know to be true. If you confess your sins... He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. If you confess your sins today, he will forgive. He is faithful to forgive. He's promised it in his word to forgive you. I don't feel forgiven today. Then you speak the truth of forgiveness over you. Father, you said if I confess my sins, I'm confessing my sins today. And I receive your forgiveness by faith not by feeling. And so we begin to exercise our faith with our words. Now, finally, Jesus in this passage ends with this. And whenever you stand, forgive. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. This is what Jesus is hammering home. And my last point this morning. That unforgiveness and bitterness will hinder your faith because we realize that everything we have from God is by grace through faith. I am no better than any person in this room. And neither are you. We are saved by the grace of God. And we approach God's throne with freedom and confidence knowing that his grace has forgiven us. And so when we come to him, stand praying, 
If we hold anything against anyone, remember what he's forgiven you from and forgive them. Remember what he's forgiven you from and forgive them. Because here is the power of bitterness. It is a root that will grow up and defile many. Unforgiveness will not just ruin your life, it'll ruin your faith to believe God. It is a wild vine that will grow and bring destruction in our souls and hinder our faith. Amen? Amen. Application this morning as we close. One, I've already said this. Guard your hearts. Guard your hearts. It's your believer. If you need faith today, if you're looking through a locked door at something you need by faith to continue to do what God's called you to do, then guard your hearts about what you put into it. There are things that you can put into your heart that cause your faith to rise. That's why I think friends who have faith can speak faith into you. Amen. I don't know about you, but I've needed this word this morning for my own life. My own life. You, you, why are you so passionate about this? Because I need it by God. I've got winds and feelings all over the place. And the word of faith coming out of my mouth is anchoring my soul and setting the direction of my life. I need it. Number two, practice confessing what is true about Scripture. Get some promises from Jesus, from the Word, that apply to your life. And there are hundreds. We're going to put some uh, on the app this week so that you can look, reference some if you need to find some. And say, hey man, there's promises for provision. There's promises for forgiveness. There's promises for victory over the darkness. There's promises in God that you can walk victoriously in Jesus. Amen? Practice the promises so that when you need a momentary Word of faith, there's something to pull from. Amen? And finally, keep short accounts. Man, are you offended at someone today? Me too. Me too. Because we live in the world and people are people. I'm pretty sure I've offended lots of people. So am I surprised that people have offended me? No. And so let's keep short accounts. Let's forgive them. Let's lay their sins. That doesn't mean we forget. That doesn't mean that we don't think it's wrong. All we're saying is that, Jesus, you forgave me, so I'm going to let you be the judge, and I'm not going to be the judge. I'm going to give it to you, Jesus, forgive them for what they did to me because you forgave me what I did to you, a much greater debt. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning that there is the word of faith, the principles of your word that we can unlock miracles, that we can unlock supernatural power, not according to our will, but according to yours. Lord, I know Father, that many have misused and abused this. Lord, help us not to, but help the fear of making a mistake not keep us from the promises that you have. Help us walk with you, Lord. Help the word of God be in our mouths. Lord, help us to preach the word to each other. 
when we need a word of faith, when we need encouragement, that we speak to each other the word of God to raise our faith and to squash our doubts. Lord, help us to believe you for the impossible. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning as we close. Thank you for being with us. If you need prayer this morning or you have questions, uh, we have a prayer team, and pastoral team will be up here to pray for you. Amen. Father, bless and keep us today in your name. Amen. We'll see you next week.